you're listening to the Spirit Hunters. Find out more about how to join our now public and free Discord group and support the show at um, patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 33 of The Spirit Hunters. This is Sarah. Patrick. Hannah. And Joe. And last time, we watched as Kila reunited with a newly transformed palm. They exchanged some nostalgic snark, but also a heart-to-heart. This week, um, Gon presses harder on unreasonable deadlines, more than a mid-level manager, project manager while Miram and Netero continue their fight throwing all numbers of hands you better get ready today we're going to be talking about episode 125 great power and ultimate power <laughs> it really took everything in my power you know my great power and ultimate power not to say great power and ultimate responsibility um, <laughs> but it's a uh, Buno Tsuyomi <laughs> to Buno Kiwami Originally released in Japan on April 16th, 2014, the equivalent manga chapters are 291 through 295, which were released in Japan on January 4th, 2010. Take it away, Patrick. So yeah, that title actually, Great Power and Ultimate Power, that's uh, that was the alternate take of the original Spider-Man uh, 2002 movie where he got the talk from Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah, brother, with great power comes, comes ultimate, ultimate power. power. Yeah, so that, that was good. Bonesaw is also ready. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I always love that. It's like it's like did you did your did your uh, your boyfriend make that make that for you? And it's like yes, he's actually really supportive, and it's really insensitive that you imply otherwise. That's incredibly judgmental, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I know your name, but you're on the wrong side of history, brother. God, I love that image. But anyways, um, so the battle is about to explode. Poof explodes into millions of pieces for no apparent reasons. Gon says, fuck them kids. And Merum gets the most grateful, mind-blowing HJ of all time with love. So you're probably going to ask, "What? that doesn't make any sense. But we will explain it to you to where it makes sense. So uh, I guess to start, uh, it just starts off uh, in the throne room. Gon's being emo again, listening to too much uh, uh, Three Doors Down in Lincoln Park. Is, is, three, is three Doors Down emo? I don't think so. Oh, um, Hawthorne Heights and Lincoln Park. There we go. Salt problem. Lincoln Park isn't technically emo. I mean, if you just mean like emo in the sense of emotional, yes. If you mean as a genre of music, no. Okay. My Chemical Romance and Hawthorne Heights. Is that, are we good now? Yeah, I really can't wait for my new stand, Helena, to come out. Hell yeah. All right, so yeah, uh, so the basically just being all moody and it's 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 like, poof's like, yo, 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 you uh. You a little wimpy kid. I'm gonna go explode a million pieces, and I'm gonna go get the king. This is my real body. And then like, uh, then like, uh, Knuckles is 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 like, oh my god. And the Gun's like, nah, you be you're bluffing. You're bluffing, man. That's not true. That's just there, there's that's full cap, full cap right there. And then he's like, oh, you want to bet? And then he explodes in a million pieces. Everything's silent, and Gun's like, yeah. Pizza's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry about about him. You could be such a jerk. And he and Gun's like, ten minutes. You got 10 minutes. Ten, no, 10 minutes is all I can spare to play with you. So I had to get that Resident Evil reference in there. 
So what do you guys think about Moody, Moody Gone? <laughs> I just thought it was very interesting to see this chance. Not like I would say transformation. It's just like, because like, Gone, for the most part during the series, he's always been more or less like happy-go-lucky. And you kind of saw a little bit more of that more... Um, darker side of him here and there but i feel like this is when it's the most apparent and it's you can he's so he seems calm but you can feel like the rage even though he's like showing barely any expression his tone is very monotone but i feel like in contrast to how expressive he normally is it just shows how angry and focused um yeah. and i think also, just like the whole exchange with Poof, um, he, he didn't give a fuck. Like he was just like, "Whatever, I'm gonna do what I want." And Gon was like, "Fuck them kids," but I think Poof was like, "Fuck this girl." Like I don't care about her. I'm just gonna everyone, everyone get out of here. <laughs> I really liked how they kind of went into Poof's mental state regarding, like, basically attempting to look like they were telling the truth in order to get knuckle to trust him because they know that for knuckle like looking like you're coming clean is the ultimate way to convince someone of something and this is interesting because this is in exact contrast to what happened between kila and palm last episode where him sharing his inner truth actually did get them to have a breakthrough and so this is like the exact parallel and i only noticed it on viewing at this time yeah um I think it's because um, you can tell Shia Poof is like fake, like look up a better word. So, you know, his <laughs> whatever he's saying, he's kind of saying it to really get on your good side versus like Palm, who even before, you know, she was turned into Chimera Ant, she's always been brutally honest in a way that's very off pudding but Kiloa knew that so it made it he knew like whatever she was saying was the truth I think that's part of it and yeah also like I think Gon is really good at kind of sniffing out authenticity lack of a better word so I think he could kind of see because I think later on right Oh, we didn't go to that part. It's it's basically here, but he doesn't he doesn't suss it out based on like emotions or figuring out how Poof works as a person. He mm -hmm. literally saw the clone leave the body. Like he literally saw the oh, core yeah. leave the body. That's which true. just basically is just like Gon doesn't care about interpersonal dynamics. He just has such sharp eyes that remember the coin trick that happened during the uh, Zoldic mansion, like he basically just did that again, but with like microscopic particles coming out of an ant. That's true. That's true. I was going to say, I kind of going back to going in like kind of that happy go lucky kid. It was kind of funny because I was talking to some friends and he was convincing his um, fiance to be like, oh, you should watch like Hunter Hunter because, you know, like gone is such an amazing character, wholesome boy and i'm like mm. <laughs> i maybe in the beginning um and then i also often think with a gone at the meme looks like a cinnamon roll will kill you i think that's very apt with him at this point 
So no, for sure. That I uh, definitely feel that vibe with it, and it's kind of funny. My friend actually, I, I was in a. He actually has a tattoo of the of gone in that position, on his leg, and I think that's kind of funny. Or I, I like it. it's really cool. I'll have to, I'll have to find pictures of it. But yeah, he has that tattoo, and I'm kind of jealous. It actually is a cool tattoo, and I can't steal it now. So now I have to just get the whole diagram of chimera ants going down my back. I was gonna say I could be wrong, but I think that was like the exact same position Hisoka was sitting in when he waited for uh, Gon and Kyoa at the top of Heaven's Arena. I'll look this up, but I think that's the case. They're they're just uh, they're just soaking up all the stuff from Hisoka, for better or worse, but mostly for worse probably. I mean, it is kind of interesting because like while like Hisoka isn't posited towards Gon the same way that Yusuke and Toguro are, there is a similarity, and so it's just like oh. In a certain way, he's become the killer that, like, he was trying to avert becoming. It is kind of funny though, and I really like, uh, really like Gon's evolution in this, and just his his sort of like, like I don't know. It seems like he snaps in and out of the state, so it makes me wonder. You know, is he going to be able to? Is this going to be a clicking thing where it's like, um, uh, do you guys watch uh, Demon Slayer at all, or at least know about it? You know, the yellow hair guy, the. The lightning dude, he like he like falls asleep and becomes his alter ego of badass. Yeah, yeah, Zenitsu. Yeah, sort of like that, where it's like a Zenitsu sort of character, where it's like, you know, gone. I mean, to a lesser extent, like gone, like the the serious fighting stuff, and like the and like actual him. But then there's the s- gone snapping, he's gonna kill every single person on the earth to, that gets in his way. For sure, I'm still looking into the sitting pose right now, and I think the answer is yes. I think it is exactly the same pose, but like mirrored. Nice. I think the one thing I found interesting also about this whole exchange was Knuckles' role in it, um, how he was just observing. And I think when Poof disappeared, um, how he was like taking the situation, like what he should say and not say, because um, he was worried about what Gon was thinking. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that I'm curious about, I think that, and this might be semi spoilers, but I think this might be the last time that uh, the that uh, the ants are in the same room as uh, Pito. Wait, the ants are in the same room as Pito, or, or sorry, the, the 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 guard is in the same room as Pito. Actually, I think I think ants in general. I think this might be the last time any ant is in the room with with Pito, but I could be wrong. You mean any other ant? Because Pito is yeah. Ant. Oh, okay. Sorry, any other ant besides Pito in the room with with them. So I think this is the last time. I, I don't think that's a spoiler. I mean, I think it's only a spoiler if you preface it with "this is a spoiler," because <laughs> otherwise, it's like it's a meaningless piece of trivia. I guess, but I, th- I just think it's interesting. It definitely. Uh, I, I guess yeah, that that might give something away, but you'd probably. I guess it's anime so you probably take what's gonna happen but I think I think there is something to it like you're saying in that like it becomes a much more personal story with Pito rather than like as part of this organization yeah and and I think I think that might be that's actually a a good uh, a good way to look at that it seems like it it becomes more of a it it becomes more of a personalized story with the ants and that's kind of what I like about it is that it's not like a oh the generic guards protect the king you have to beat me to get the Shang Long. It's like you have to uh you actually have they actually are interpersonal in their their own stories in a way. Like their their, their involvement with the king isn't I mean it is a purpose in them but like it becomes more, they become more than that and it's kind of like a humanistic character 
him I was the characteristic say, this passes of that. The Aunt Bechdel test, and then I'm like, no, it doesn't, because Pito is still thinking about the king and talking about the king. So whatever the Aunt Bechdel test is, it's not working. Yeah, so pro- probably not. So, I mean, we still got a lot of ants to cover, so maybe we might be getting that Bechdel test fixed. But I mean, I mean, like, uh, I mean, technically, it would be failed from a Kalgo and the Wolfen though, because like they're they're all about their king, in I mean, a way. I mean, if we're if we're being serious, so much about this saga is about the interconnectedness of ants to ants and humans to other humans, and yeah. sort of the ways that humans function as a collective, whether or not they like to think of themselves as. And so I do think the idea that they would have discussions independent of their function within their society is kind of counter to like the narrative here. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very interesting and it's sort of shows how the ants become more humanistic to a point, but I do find it funny that a lot of them either worship one thing or the other. It seems like they go, they have that ant that collective where they have some sort of hierarchy even like even like subtly with some of them so like uh like like the the king the the Euro, gyro and uh and the uh, wolfen and akalgo or the guard with uh and the rest of the ants with uh Meruem, or even for their own needing you know if that makes sense for sure i was just saying kind of moving up the timetable a little bit um there's a discussion by Pito kind of about the timetable of uh, having to heal Kamugi and basically go on asking for less time. And Pito makes the like really interesting observation that Gon's requests coincide with the new timetables that she's finding in her head, like as she's getting better with Dr. Blythe mm-hmm. and well, as they, sorry, I'm going to continue to use they for Pito and it's freaking them out because they think they're like, is this supernatural or is gone like noticing something about my demeanor and like my emotions that make it obvious to gone like what is happening and how to like adjust it so as to like basically crank the screws into Pito. And uh, yeah. it's just kind of fascinating because again, gone's superpower <clears throat> of observation is here in full force and used for like the most wicked version of his possible uses. Yeah, honestly, that might be a, a side power that he can read people's powers and their potential. I don't think it's that. I think it's literally just the expression. Because remember, this is the same kid who could smell a storm coming. Like, I think it's literally just like he has normal human senses. They're just cranked up to 10 trillion. Well, that's fair. Um, but this kind of segues into Pito reflecting on the need to kill Gon in order to ensure uh, Komugi's safety. And eventually, you know, kind of segues into the perspective of needing to kill Gon to pre- to prevent the king from getting harmed. And um, I do like how it's a, I, I do like how how their priorities shift, like the king, and that loyalty where it's like it's like Komugi is number one right now, but then the king. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, you can tell because like the I mean, but I think the king explicitly said, yeah, Komugi is your responsibility right now. That's your thing. So, like if 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 they fail with Kumugi, they fail the king. So I guess technically, in a way, it's being loyal to the king. But right now, it seems like it seems like that Pito doesn't really care about the king because if they did, they would not be worrying about about uh, Kumugi, but just going directly to the king and taking the L if they have to die for that insolence. I think I think it's kind of a question about like where you define the boundaries between people and their desires. And kind of that the other two royal guards literally go to the king himself while 
Pito defends the king's heart and what he cares about and his ideal. And, you know, it shows different perspectives on, like, what a person is. If the person is their mission, you should defend their mission. If the person is themselves, you should defend themselves. And uh, for Pito, it's it's squarely in the in the, you know, ranks of like, oh, I care about the king's ideal and like what he's told me to do rather than defending him himself bodily. Like that, mm. that's like definitely something they care about, but it's subsumed into this desire to pr- protect the thing he cares about most. Huh, interesting. And yeah, I didn't really think about it from that. I kind of, I, I think we're kind of on the same thing was like protecting what he, they want the most versus or the, the, the king wants versus, you know, but it's, it's kind of fascinating, but yeah. Um, do you want to move on to the, 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 the next part of the chapter, the big fight, uh, Netero versus Merowim? Um, Yeah, I think before, though, I think I kind of wanted to touch on I get Poof again, but also his mm-hmm. interaction with Knuckle and just why he felt like, oh, I want to get the chance to fight him, but not really fight, but talk instead. And just like the reasoning behind that. Like, what did you guys think? This kind of idea that I, I think this happened. I think a similar exchange was had in the last episode as well, where we talked about how Netero in his head kind of lamented the fact that like, if talk was all that was necessary, he wouldn't have to be here. And even though he is here to kill the king with extreme prejudice, there are different perspectives on whether or not you need to fight or talk. Mm-hmm. kind of speak to i guess like experience rather than intelligence because like again at the level of intelligence the king is far beyond netero but i definitely think this has to do with netero's experience in his more than 100 years on this on this you know hell blasted earth but i guess like what do you guys think about that well i think what i was like thinking about with poof and then i also was reading like other like forums and stuff the reason why he wanted to even challenge knuckle wasn't necessarily to fight but to find out um why he's even alive like not like why did you be leave this human oh sorry i just realized what you were actually asking i i think i misheard yeah oh it's okay so this is more like with the fact that knuckle was able to show up um there showed that oh wow you be spared this human but what's the reason why Mm -hmm. and i think someone was saying how it was playing into basically poof's paranoia but also like realistically it's actually happening how the two how the three guards are kind of differentiating from their own um initial goal just to protect the king because now it's like oh yuppie's doing something where it's against the king's safety by leaving this human alive i need to find out like why this is like what's different like that's why i want to talk to this guy so and then he also does acts on his own accord and he's like well i'm just gonna leave the room against like the this kid's wishes which basically endangers kamugi which is what Mm -hmm. the king requested pito to like take care of so it's like going simultaneously he thinks he's doing what's right towards the king's interest while actually actively going against it um because he's trying to fulfill his own desires 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with regards to paranoia about Yuppie and Yuppie's growth, because like, again, as we mentioned last time, this time that I've actually heard you properly, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, Yuppie had grown so much and it almost freaked, um, you know, Poof out because Poof was the most like individuated of the three prior right. to their growth. And, you know, when that happens, it can be pretty scary, actually, because these people who you could rely on simply because you knew exactly how they worked are different and they're their own individuals. Um, that said, I do think that he basically left it open both possibilities that like either UB had quote unquote gone soft and like through some formation of a new ideal had left him alive, but also the possibility that this was done as some sort of like bargain. Mm. And I, I don't necessarily think the bargain one is correct, but I think it's at least a framework with which he could understand the choice that was made. And, you know, that the whole like, oh yeah, if you don't like if you disperse the uh, if you disperse uh what's it called i was gonna say pot clean if you disperse irs yeah. or disperse um apr uh you know i'll let your master live so i think he had the feeling that there was a possibility some negotiation happened and i think he wanted to understand both what the nature of that negotiation was and what it was motivated by so i think you're right that it, it was a lot of trying to suss out like not only who are my allies, but like, I know who my ally is in the physical sense, but who are they now as a person? And like, it blows my mind that these two episodes covered so many chapters of just like hardcore, really dense character writing. And like, I have no idea looking back when I scheduled this, why I thought we should cover this as one episode, because this is so much. (laughs) Because it's just a two. It's just the. It's just the cap. The the whole battle with Netero. No, that, that's exactly why I did it. But like looking back, there's so many threads trying to thread so many needles across a <laughs> asteroid in space, <laughs> according to the CGI. Yeah, isn't that ironic? But yeah, no, it's. I mean, we haven't even hit the Netero fight, and it's still like we still have so much still more to talk about. Uh, yeah, I didn't really think about the whole bargaining thing, but that's a good point. Because I it does feel like the fact that the ants are considering like oh shoot these humans are so powerful enough like we don't have that for hand now we actually have to compromise in order to like in order to just like get to point a from point b i think that does say a lot about the power balances like obviously they recognize that the ants are so like incredibly powerful and outweigh them in terms of like physicality but the fact that I think Poof made a point that Gon had the strongest willpower that he, or one of the strongest that he's ever encountered. And that's why nothing could slip past him. Even with his Poof is like known to be a very skilled manipulator, he wasn't able to get away with a lie in front of Gon. So I think that does say something about, I think, the levels at the humans versus Khmer ants and how slowly they're somewhat evening the playing field just in different ways yeah i i think the focus on different ways is the important part because i think basically the humans who are here have played their cards in like having the ultimate utility powers while like the chimera ants have the ultimate power power you know just straight up force and like obviously there's some variants on that like such as uh dr blythe and the ability to heal and uh, poof and the ability to manipulate and, and mind control but just like at the level of just dragon ball z style power levels humans are no match but mm-hmm. we've basically just like hey what if the 
you know, side characters in Dragon Ball Z who have all these utility powers were actually useful and could formulate a good strategy. Like, you know, like, oh, <laughs> someone hit him with the solar beam. Uh, someone hit him with the solar flare. Someone else do the Destructo disc. I don't know. Poir, turn into underwear. Watch out. Just like Honestly, I, th- I think it would be kind of cool if they had that dynamic in Dragon Ball Z to make the characters actually utilitar- utilitarian and not have to be like, oh, we have to wait for Goku. Goku's here. He wins. They do it for like four episodes in Super, and then they're just like back to like, okay, but now power levels. Yeah, but um, yeah. So let's 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 go to the main event. Uh, you know, Netero and the King. Um, so Sarah, I just want to ask you first, kind of like, did anything turn out the way you thought it would, or like, w- like you can save your final final thoughts for later. But I just want to know what your immediate reactions on seeing some of this stuff was. I thought it was wild. Um. Just like the whole battle, because it first felt like um, Netero for the few episodes, like he was definitely um, over. Um, he definitely didn't have enough power to like go against the king. Um, but I think with his final like Nen ability and the, like the ninety ninth hand, it finally felt like wow, this is probably like the power is waiting for to see like him really felt like it felt like he was going all out um and i think having the i'm trying to make sure i'm not mixing up the episodes because i kind of watch them back to back this is the episode with the flashback or without the flashback um where it shows him like back in the past at a dojo yeah Yeah, this is the one with the flashback okay just want to make sure just i think having that um insight into his life definitely helped and it, i feel like it really helped propel like the emotions of the episode um because i think before just everything has been kind of like a slow simmer in terms of tension like it felt like this is i know it's not the climax of the arc but it feels like it's probably one of the closest and biggest things that's happened um when especially since evasion started so i i I thought it was pretty interesting. It feels like, um, it feels, I don't, I know it's not the end because there's still a ton of episodes left in when I look through the amount of episodes left for this arc on like Netflix. Like I know there's like a chunk left, but (laughs) if this was the finale, I wouldn't, I would feel like, oh wow, it's pretty satisfying, but I know it's not yet. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely interesting that this, kind of blows the load right now because there's just so much more other interesting stuff that happens but um just to rewind a little bit uh you know like the king asked netero how he could possibly know you know uh, his name and uh (laughs) i think i took this note weird because it basically amounts to netero just saying your mother and then (laughs) like um I was watching I was watching The Last of Us recently and that line basically was said verbatim someone just being like your mother and then it just cuts to something else and I like lost myself like I just like started cracking up in the middle of a very serious scene but was that after the, the is that during the hospital scene I bet it was I don't remember off the top of my head but I bet it was <laughs> Just your mo- just the uh, have you guys watched Last of Us yet? I don't want to say it. spoiler. I mean, have the viewers, have the listeners watched Last of Us? That's what I, I mean, gotta they, be careful. They had I watched like the, the I watched like the video game playthroughs, but not the oh, actual then, TV show. <laughs> you're probably pretty good, but I w- without spoiling anything, I will say I was not expecting Blade's origin story to show up in The Last of Us. <laughs> that was kind of sick. But yeah, I, I, yeah, it's 
in terms of the hospital, it's like just like I'm just imagining it's like your mother just shoots the person, just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> so um, back to the flashback. So I thought it was interesting. He he kind of talks a little bit about like him just being sad about his life of having basically been challenged by people and them not being able to like land a single thing. So he asked like, when did I start like waiting? Basically just waiting for people to attack because he had no reason to attack anyone anymore because he knew no one could hurt him because he had become like a god among be- among humans and it shows him fighting you know like uh, a karateka like a, mm-hmm. a kendo practitioner a boxer and a kung fu fighter it was just basically like what if you just had like the pantheon of martial arts come into your to come into your gym and just beat them all yeah so he didn't have to worry about making the first blow because it's just like he just counter reacts to everybody and now it's the first time he has to really make the initiative and attack Exactly. And it's interesting because I think I had left some of this out previous and wanted to talk about it as we got closer to this fight. But um, Netero is a very Toguro-like figure who clearly went a little bit different with it. Um, you know, he he wanted to die in battle against a f- opponent greater than him. But instead of just, like, enslaving dudes who he beat to, like, get them to be on a team with him, he instead formed an organization that like basically took over the underworld of the hunter hunter world and just formed like a group that was obsessed with finding the strongest and fostering their talent. Maybe because he always wanted one of the hunters to eventually kill him, but it turned out not to be the case. Yeah. Kind of funny. It's, it's kind of like a, especially the, the, the way that I've seen Hunter, it kind of reminds me of, it's like, it's like, you know, the, the, the strongest guy on earth gets killed by Frieza. And it's like, well, there's stuff stronger than Frieza. So it's like, it's like, what does that amount to, really? It's like... Well, I mean... I, I This this isn't a spoiler, but there has been no one shown in Hunter x Hunter after this point who is stronger in terms of combat abilities than Meruem. Um, the threats that kind of present themselves afterwards are of a different sort. And this is stuff we'll get into with discussions of Netero once we get to the manga. Because... As you know from these two episodes, he's not around, but they talk a little bit about his past in the manga and um, things he had faced that were not strength, but that were more challenging in other ways and that are a very interesting complement to this discussion, but that we can't engage in right now. Yeah, I'm going to get a little bit further for that. But yeah, I just think it's it's, it's interesting, at least to my perspective, but at least at least it's not one of those power-up things where it's like, Oh yeah, it's like this whole big deal. It's like, oh, actually, never mind. He's like the weakest dude now because we found some guy twenty times as strong, and we met him and beat him in battle. Yeah, it's more like they're making the shift that Yuhak Show tried making during Chapter Black of the like, oh, instead of powers, you got to think about cards and territories and word games and yeah. bird games. <laughs> bird games. <laughs> yeah, they're they're gonna be playing. They're gonna be playing. Uh, what's that? What's that? Um. <laughs> that really popular board game that's around right now with uh, the birds watching. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Wingspan. Yeah. They're just going to be playing Wingspan. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Isn't it a restaurant? Uh, I don't know. Um, well, now I want some wings. Lol. Uh, but I was going to say, so, you know, Sarah mentioned the 99th hand and kind of the importance there. Uh, but here he uses the 99th hand and pummels Meruem into the tomb. And, um, you know, like when they get into there, they have like a little interchange about like, oh, this is a tomb. And then, you know, just (laughs) Netero, of course, just looking straight at Merriman being like, yours. 
Yeah, it's it's like it's like what's this? Your grave, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, real great granddad jokes. No, there it it there's a I don't know if you ever watched Robot Chicken, but there's like this uh the skateboarding thing. And it's it's like it's like oh what is this? Because like, he's like a skateboarding mom. He's like your grave, motherfucker. And I always just think of that like in the back of my head randomly. God, I need to watch. I need to not watch the Robot Chicken again because it's absolute garbage. But that scene actually is pretty funny. Yeah, the fight honestly. It's just really good, and honestly, I, I wonder if uh, I know it's gonna sound weird, but maybe the no, it's probably not like the uh, Netero's reference to Dio's thing with all the, the hand hand things, like you know the no. giant fist stuff. No, I didn't figure. I figure not. I mean, we we can talk more about it at a at a later time, but probably um, not. But I I don't think that's what it is. No, but you know, I like I said, I really enjoyed his power. I love the fact there's just giant fists getting hit, and he's just doing like. The prayer thing to make people do fist things. Did did you guys already talk about <laughs> Netero? Uh, you know, really just uh, praying and then uh, saying like I, I think Meroem says something about being shocked that uh, he finds out that Netero is just fighting in complete awe of it. No, one of I forget. One of them is basically expressing complete awe of the other. Yeah, it was a it, it was it was a Meroem basically he was saying I can't believe he's wasting the energy is wasted from doing the hand motion. It could have been used, but it's it's still working. Like it's 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 not it's no wasted motion. It seems like it, but it's like he's able to get the attacks off and do it, and there's no really repercussions, at least yeah. that we find out that we think initially. But I, I mean, I think there are no repercussions. I think the fault are more of the structure of his mind, um, and we'll talk about that later. But um, I think it's interesting because like if we really look at Netero from like a perspective of like the Nen rules and the Nen compass, he completely breaks the Nen compass. He's using three different types of Nen here, like one of which, like two of which are like not his specialty at all. So he's effectively, in order to be this proficient at all of them, he has to completely break the Nen compass. It makes me wonder if he, if doing what he did with that, the whole hundred, uh, the, the gratefulness punches and, or the, whatever the 12 hours of grateful punches, I forget how much it was. It was years of grateful punches. Years of grateful punches. Makes you wonder if that's what uh, really like like it's like one of those like you know you accidentally get good at something, or it's like you actually unintentionally get good. If that was like the thing was like oh him doing this made him build up these three things incredibly strong, but he didn't really intend it to be. He just wanted to get it strong. If that yeah, makes I was sense, say, I don't think it was accidental so much as like maybe the way it manifested was just very different than he assumed. Because I I think there's no indication that he knew anything about Nen before he started doing that. No, I don't think he did. I think it's one of those things that that he because I'm kind of confused. I'm not sure if he if it's saying that he unintentionally invented Nen or like somehow I guess made it a thing. My theory is that he unintentionally became a Nen user like through his genius, the same way that Kamugi did. But unlike her, he systematized it and he's the one who made, you know, because like he founded Shingen Ryu, which is the school by which like the hunters teach Nen now. And so he basically systematized and made Nen into like a science and a martial art. And I've spoken with Remy of Say the X before. My theory is that there were other people who had schools of Nen before, but that they were not as systematic or as like, you know, logical or scientific because like we both think the Zoldix probably had Nen for like a long time before Netero was born. Cause even though he's older than the oldest living Zoldic, he by a lot, he 
is probably younger than whoever the head of the Zoldic clan was at the time of his birth. Yeah, because he, like, he was like 50 when uh, when, when Zeno was like born, like a just born. I think he was older than 50 because I think he was like 50 when he discovered like, you know, his own nan abilities. And so he probably would not have made the acquaintance of the Zoldic family until after discovering his nan. No, that makes that makes sense, and it makes me wonder if it's like one of those, you know, you know, doctors back then. It's like, oh, we attached attach leeches, and it somehow made him not sick. It's like one of those things where it's like they they like make it, but they don't have a the explanation of why it is it does what it does. Versus, uh, or, all or they exactly had an explanation, why. but it was like short sighted. Like the same way that a lot of traditional schools of medicine, like Chinese traditional medicine, like Ayurvedic medicine, like are better than like alternatives that existed at the time, but like don't have as much explanatory power as like scientific medicine. Um, it could be something like that where they had some idea, like they were basically doing the alchemy of like Nen, and then like Netero showed up with chemistry. Makes sense. Makes sense. You know, that's kind of where I was getting at with that, where it's like, that was that, like, in that aspect where it's like, you know, it's, it's like, they have the, they, they, they see it's working, but they don't know why, but he's like, oh yeah, this is exactly why it's working. Yeah. And, um, I think that there's also, there's discussion of people in the manga who have been practicing Nen for a long time before that too, but like, clearly do not understand it. So like, basically there are people who have known about Nen in some shape or form for like hundreds, if not thousands of years. But the modern understanding, we have no evidence of anyone with a modern understanding of it until Netero. It makes me wonder if they would, if they're going to expand upon that, if when they introduce a certain relative of Gons. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm curious to, I'm really, really look forward to talking about the manga uh, with you guys sometime. Anyways, mm-hmm. I wanted to focus on another thing. So Netero talks about gratitude and, you know, it's kind of a, a cliche that there's a lot of people who tell you to focus on gratitude and, you know, be grateful nowadays in modern mindfulness and wellness circles. And <laughs> I think this predates that getting so big. Um, it obviously was an existing thing in Buddhism and stuff. But I do think it's funny that this is basically just like, you know, this buff granddad telling you to focus on gratitude. <laughs> and that's like the the most badass character of the series. It makes me wonder if maybe that's some Tagashi. Like maybe he had to, he went through some wellness thing. Like maybe to deal with like burnout and stuff. And maybe this is like one of those things that he maybe he stumbled upon where it's like, oh hey, may, to feel this, have a gratitude or have a you know, accept like for what you or like love what you have and do don't like get greedy because or get jealous because people do something like this better. Just be grateful what you have. Maybe he took that self help motivation. I think the shack character. he lived in you know, in the mountains just had like one like thing in kanji. It was just written like live, laugh, love. It was, it was really weird. Yeah. Um, no, that's, I think that's my favorite or, or Ted Kaczynski origin story. But anyways, uh, f- for real, um, he does mention like why he was there and the gratitude thing, because he talks about how he went there to basically celebrate martial arts because he was so grateful to martial arts for giving him everything he had in his life. And so my feeling is that he probably came from an incredibly impoverished, and like, you know, backwards cultural background and like basically his joining a martial arts school gave him a completely new lease on life and made him into the man he was. And this was a second rebirth in his life is my intuition. No, that, that that's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, bet. Like, you know, just, I mean, because we've seen how grim the hunter hunter world can be. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's like. It's like one of those things where it's like, you know, the because the, there's a lot of poverty and impoverished stories, especially with Gyro. It's one of those where it's like, oh, there's nothing. But then this built me up and 
it's just another path that they took to get out of that that slum area. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe he was from Meteor City. I have no evidence for that, but I almost said, "Oh my god, maybe he's from Meteor Garden." And I'm like, "No, that's not what I meant to say." Yeah, and I mean that. I mean that's common. Like, I they, I don't think they've ever shown like the origin of of um of crap Gon's dad. I forgot what his name was again. Jing. Yeah, Jing. The the origin of Jing, but I'm I'm thinking maybe it might be because I mean we saw the origin of uh oh man I am bad with names today. Um, the, uh, the, the guy that died, oh, oh yeah, Kite, with his origin where he's in Provision Slum. Oh, yeah. And it, it makes me wonder, it seems like it's a recurrent theme in Hunter Hunter, where it's like, characters in slums become more than they've ever become. Well, Jing, Jing wasn't from a slum, he was just from, like, a backwater town and wanted to see the world, which is, like, a different sort of origin story that you see a lot with sailors and stuff, but, I, so, um, I, it's a different I guess one. It's, yeah, it, it's just kind of the vibe I got from him because he said he didn't. I don't think he had family; he just was like living off scraps and giving it to the dogs that he's. Oh around. yeah, yeah, no, kite. That's absolutely true. But you you brought this up in comparison to Jing, and Jing was kind of more just from a small town rather than like, oh impoverished. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot he was on the same island as a uh, as, as uh, Gon and Mito. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. No, that makes that makes sense. But yeah, I do I do like the recur theme of like the the poverty of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's. A background of even though they never showed the background of Nedero as much past his oh I want to get really really good at martial arts. Hopefully someday because they do talk about him a bit in the manga. But um yeah, do you want to speaking of the manga? Do you want to talk about some of the differences real quick? Unless anyone had more to say about this particular episode, jump in, Patrick. The water's fine. Nice. I'll take a little adult swim. Uh, so basically, uh, one of the one of the changes that I thought was kind of kind of sad is that they uh they got rid of that bright heart effect when Nedro does the heart love thing it's just kind of like a he does it with his hand I mean, it's oh oh a... <laughs> you feel like that the animators would love to include this in oh no this was included they just there's a there's a bright effect on it in the anime oh it was included at the end of the episode is a postcard memory aka like one of those like more sketchy drawings at the like oh. end segment like right as it cuts to <laughs> Yeah, that that might be just be why they did it, but I did I did like they brought that in there. I just thought it's kinda of fun it's kinda of sad they couldn't have done something like special with that. But I, I guess maybe Tagashi has enough work besides animating giant bread effects that it's gonna make his anime delayed even more. Remanga delayed. Um so I like a there's another panel I like that seems really out of context if you don't if if you like just saw this battle on a list where it's just like them fighting and just shows it just cuts to like panels of a uh, mirror i'm just doing doing the playing uh playing uh the game yeah gungi yeah it, it looks like they're doing like shaolin soccer but for gungi yeah so i do i do like that it's like just flipping doing the things like you're dead and it's like it's like the enemy just blows up i mean that's how i play chess i mean is there any other way to play it don't think so um, so there's another, there's a, so this is more just an anime trope, more of a Jojo thing. I just thought it was funny. The, the cut to the eyes and like the, the, the bright outline. It's definitely like the same sort of vibe with the, um, during the cars and Joseph fight where I, was it towards the end of it during when they're on the, the meteor, the meteor where, or the, the plot, the volcano exploding where he does that. It just shows the eyes and it's the background like that. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I've definitely seen this visual in Jojo. So yeah, it's sort of that. So I kind of like that. 
Uh, it's probably not a reference, it's probably just an anime trope, but yeah, I, was I thought it was kind of funny. I think that's a pre existing thing. Um, so there's this weird panel at the end of it where uh, Nedarosis has his hands up, and it did a little bit of an edit. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe Netero is playing Bane in the next Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's yeah, it's a uh, big sad, big sad. They made a lot of changes to the new Batman movie. I'm kind of disappointed in a way. Yeah, it's Netero walking with his arms stretched to the sides, and then um, Joji slash Filthy Frank walking <laughs> the other direction in a pink suit. <laughs> yeah, so I, I saw the. I remember that that meme, and I was like. I actually had to go cut it out because, like, they don't have a venture of Frank doing that. Sorry, did you put it on Insta? Uh, I'm gonna. Hell yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, the next panel. So, I think this might have been an edit. So, just the, the during during this cut where they were just waiting outside from the, the butterfly wings, all the people waiting for the slaughter. And just keep saying, I love FMAB. I love FMAB. I'm not sure what that means. Yeah, it's really weird because I think, um, you know, Poop. Like, I think Poof scales really here are just brainwashing people to the right opinion. Actually, it's it's really crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think the debates out on that. I think it might be like the the brainwashing of making them think of bad things. But you know, it's all good. <laughs> I don't know what this FMAB stands for though. So, uh, please, it's FMAB. FMAB, the fa- the that's the the new character in the the FMAB character. Yep. Uh, the famous ant FMAB, or Fully marrowum at best. Yeah, that's it. I thought you were going to go with more like fully marrowum and then something similar to what WAP stands for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ass bussy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Full God, metal. Full metal WAP. Okay. Um. So uh, they changed a little. So there's, I, I brought this up twice. I, I think I brought one, but they they basically swapped it quite a bit around in the, oh, yeah, uh, the chapter order. The chapter order where they're so in the manga, basically what happens is that it ha it has that fight with Meruem, then it cuts to the the Ikago and Wolf. Uh, the no, it's the it cuts to the uh, the uh, Palm and uh, Killua fight, and then a- and then afterwards it cuts it it, it cuts to the uh, cuts to the Wolf the Wolfen and the uh, and the Ikago, uh scene. And then so, again to Netero and Meruem. It's like a yeah. sandwich. Yeah, it's kind of a weird sandwich. Instead, it's like they just put the the, the Meruem and Netero fight together, which I, I kind of think I like better. But for a manga would thing... you like the manga or anime one better? The the anime one. But the thing is that at, at in the context of waiting weekly for a manga, I think I like this. I think I like the manga a little bit better, but the manga a bit better, but... Like for like a, it's all out there. Probably for storytelling, I prefer the anime style. I think I think I prefer the way the manga did it for manga, um, because I really think it highlights the parallels and the stories and like the dynamics and how they're like interthreaded. While for the anime, I do think they made the right decision making the fight more contiguous, um, because like that's what you're there for with an anime. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's exactly my feelings too. Where it's like, it's like I I think they work both. They worth great, great both in their medium, so I don't really mind that they switched it up. And it's kind of like a nice break too, if you think about it, reading the manga, where it's like it's not all deep stuff. It's like okay, we're going back to different characters and exploring them a bit, especially since it's like a monthly or weekly production. I don't know if I don't know if it switched over to shonen monthly or weekly at this point, though. 
Oh, well, no, no. I mean, here it's still here. It's still weekly. But you mean if Hunter Hunter in the current day of 2023 has switched over? No, because I, I remember that. Um, I remember that in 2004 or no, was it 2004 when uh, Steel Ballman started? It became it became Shonen Monthly. Oh, I thought you were referring to Hunter Hunter because Hunter Hunter right now there's talks of it becoming monthly. I'm surprised it's weekly. I'm honestly surprised it hasn't switched over well, monthly. If you average it out by the actual release, I bet it's more like monthly, which is why they're moving to monthly. Yeah, honestly, they they should have done that in the first place. But yeah, I think it's just like two. T- I'm just glad they have the option to be monthly, especially how taxing. This stuff could be on artists and creators. For sure. Um, can I add one last thing to uh, the differences here? Sorry, you're not allowed to. Just joking. Ooh. Go for it, Joe. So one thing that I think it's mentioned in the anime, but I like the way it's stayed in the manga more, is when Meruem is thinking and admiring um, Netero's skill, he says something to the effect of, it's pointless to speculate how he mastered it. Such uh, like such a lesson cannot be learned logically. He must have yielded to an emotion akin to madness. He must have devoted himself wholly to this purpose. And I just like the idea, yeah, of emphasizing, um, you know, Netero's devotion, like, and that it was just like a complete obsession that consumed him and like reforged him as a person. It kind of, uh, it kind of like a you learned it versus you actually, you actually invented it or like you, you, you semi made it yourself. Like you learn it first, you understand it. I'd also say that there's a direct parallel to Toguro here because we focused a lot in our coverage of the final round of the Dark Tournament of Toguro going to that forest to train by himself after Chiron killed all of his students. And this was basically Netero's moment of something similar, except instead of focusing on revenge, he focused on gratitude, but still became a similar monster in a different way that we will definitely get into in the next episode. Nice. All right. Speaking of which, uh, did we want to uh, uh, do we want to move on to the next one? Do anybody have anything? I know we have the the Rato's deaths, but I don't think anybody died yet. I don't think anyone died. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I uh, think think we should we can move on to. Uh, this will take a short break, and we will see you back here shortly. <laughs> Everybody. My name's Tegan Somerset. I'm Rocky Hardy. And I'm Brian Cartwright. And we are Impossible Coin, a podcast about video games. Join us every other week as we discuss gaming news. Did you know he tried to smuggle $100,000 across the Canadian border? Genre differences. Sometimes it's your turn to press the button, and sometimes it's your turn to block. And deep lore. I have spent so long on this, Brian, you can't do this to me. We will sell you nothing and solve none of your problems, but we sure are fun. Impossible Coin! A podcast about video games. See you on Thursdays. Thursdays. <laughs> I'm Lawson Leon. I'm Benoit Jamosen. We're the new co-host of the Ballin' Out Super Podcast. And the old co-host of the Talking Naruto Podcast. Well, I wouldn't say that we're old exactly, Benel. We've been doing it for five years. It's old enough. Uh, where have our lives gone? Watching Naruto films. All of them. And recapping them in full. And as we head to the end of Naruto Shippuden, we're starting the beginning of Dragon Ball. That's right, Benel. Now you and I are the hosts of the Ballin' Out Super Podcast, where we're recapping the best part of Dragon Ball. Original Dragon Ball. From the beginning. With special guests. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Talking Naruto Shippuden. And now, Calling Out Super!
welcome back. Now we're going to start with episode 126, Zero and Rose, or in Japanese, Zero to Rozu. And it was originally released in Japan on April 23rd, 2014. The equivalent manga chapters are 292, 296, 297, and 298, which were released in Japan on January 18th, 2010. All right, so uh, basically in this episode, Nidoro gets kind of speciesist when he when we realize his arguments don't have a leg to stand on. And then Miriam in exchange it gets really incredibly ableist when he assumes that Nidoro can't play, pray anymore without two arms. I was not arms. expecting this. Uh, but he's dead wrong. Killua saw what was going on and wanted none of that shit and just ran straight for the hills. Uh, then uh, even after Nidoro fought long and hard, it still really wasn't enough. Uh, while Miriam offered a, a preservation for humans, like the owner of the treaties that will screw us hardcore, uh, Nedro, in return, offered a kiss from a rose by Seal, uh, proving once again the ultimate weapon isn't some secret Nen technique, but in reality, thermonuclear warfare. I just realized that uh, Nedro here is a little bit of a uh, Civ 1 Gandhi figure. He kind of is. He, he, yeah. That's all I'll say about that. I'm too white to make any more comments on Gandhi, so... Well, it's also... F- hey, man, you have a common foe with the English. Anyways... Hey, <laughs> law. But, but I was going to say, uh, that being said, I think that that turns out to just be an urban myth, that there was no evidence for that. But anyways... Uh, yeah, so this is a, this is a ha- hell of an episode. Yeah, there, I don't even know where to get started on this one. It's like, god damn... There's just so much that's going on. Uh, I guess, uh, man, where do we even start with this? Uh, should we start with the uh, him him uh, losing a leg or breaking a leg off? Uh, uh, not yet. That's that's a little bit from now, isn't it? There's there's still more stuff before that. Um, like it kind of shows, uh, you know, Netero and the King doing like a ton of moves, like in very beautiful kind of stylized. Uh, ping-ponging across the screen, energy and sparks flying everywhere. And um, basically, like the king in his ability to see in compressed time is able to see the single motion of Netero clapping his hands, you know, to to pray. And um, it's just interesting thinking about just like, have you guys seen the like really crappy Justice League movie? Uh, You need to... Oh, you mean the Zack Snyder one? The, uh, which one? Well, the, I the original. See release. the Snyder edition. <laughs> I, I, I remember what. I remember watching the original one, and literally, me and my friend were sitting there, and we were just looking at our we we're looking at our watches, looking back and forth at each other because it's like, where is this movie going, and why okay. is it taking so long to get there? I liked it while simultaneously knowing, like, yeah, this is not good. But there, I do think the best moment in any superhero movie ever was in that movie, which is otherwise a pile of crud. The moment where was it? It was that one where basically Superman is fighting like a whole crowd of the other superheroes because he's been brought back from the dead. And, you know, the flash starts like running around him and he's faster than anything going on. And he's like, you know, just watching everyone else as like in slow motion. And then he sees like Superman's eyes move at his speed and he like mouths, oh shit, you know, like because he realizes that Superman's about to start moving at his speed. And it's terrifying. And I'm just thinking like, oh, this is kind of a similar thing 
with like Meruem, even though he didn't feel threatened, was like blown away that someone was moving so much faster than him because this is again all Netero had practiced for years on years on years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's kind of crazy, and uh, yeah, it just was kind of funny seeing him analyze every single part of it. It's like he has he like I think my favorite line is like he has his his move should be should be a finite amount, but it seems like the combinations are endless and infinite in, in its size, which I thought was kind of an interesting interesting description of that where it's like it's finite but infinite it's like a non it's like a it's like filling a hotel an infinite hotel room full of infinite amount of people no it's this is this is going to get very computer sciencey but it kind of discusses the idea of different sizes of infinity that you can have multiple types of infinity some of which are larger than others and the strategy that meruim employs to understand and then defeat netero is very algorithmic actually and it's fascinating um but we'll kind of get back to that in a second um but you know netero uh brings up the idea like he basically congratulates i uh, know so uh, meruem congratulates netero and says that he's the rare example of someone who has surpassed his limits you know kind of like what we talked about last time but <laughs> netero being fairly ticked off at being taken kind of lightly in his mind says insects should not look down on humans. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm surprised he got super offended by that. Like after being a humble dude and it's like, it's like, it's like this insect dude's like, Oh man, I can't like, I guess like maybe it's a bit insulting. Cause like, Oh, how cute they could be able to get to this level. And it's like, that's what I'm guessing he interprets it as. I think there's some of that. And I also think that Netero has had to seal his heart off to the of the ants in order to do what he's doing because i think he has admitted that like he would give up on his mission if he opened his heart up to the situation as talked about when he like witnessed uh the king wanting to heal kamugi and so basically this is him hardening himself uh and just having the worst possible image and frankly the most purposefully speciesist view against ants because otherwise he would not be able to defend the human race yeah because he'd be like you know what he's got some valid points there so it's like it's like and they're and and like yeah it's kind of funny especially with uh i think because even even uh it's funny even xenos is like man maybe you're you're going so you're going a little bit too far on this my dude yeah no it's um it's that meme where it's just like you know when the anime villain speaks and he's kind of making a little sense and that's like netero and he's like just trying to shake it off right now yeah, yeah. so I, I definitely see that i never really thought of it too much like that where it's like he has to close off to be able to kill this dude because it's like yeah he's making some valid points he's got some valid criticisms but also he's gonna pretty much hol- holocaust the entire human race right in any other situation they would become best friends and rivals for the rest of their lives but that is not this type of anime i i wouldn't even say that i would say more just like i think netero you could debate this but he's maybe thinking like hey if i really logic this out there's an argument that ants should replace us but i'm going to go with my gut and my pride as a human being and not let that happen and it is interesting, especially towards the end. Like the next episode, I'm kind of more excited for because it, it deeps into, it d- digs into my favorite thing of of the Chimera Ant Saga, and it helps spell it out for people that haven't like caught on yet, or haven't that probably wouldn't have caught on if they didn't tell you it. But I just think it's really interesting that we're getting to this point. And it's like my fa- this is actually probably my favorite part of the Ant Saga because it's like, oh, this isn't a typical anime arc. This is a like almost a reversal it's like yeah this is 
what it is. That the savior of the human race is probably maybe exterminating a chance for like a greater humanity, not like the sense of humankind, but of like humanity towards other living creatures. Uh, Joe, I think we're talking about uh, Hunter Hunter, not Last of Us. Yeah, I got some <laughs> Last of Us thoughts, but I, but not actually about the content, more about the context of its politics. But anyways, I was going to say, Netero brings up the idea, this is a contest of endurance in which I must keep choosing correctly. So basically, he recognizes he's in this dead end where he's like, I have to be 100% right with every move for the rest of this entire fight. This is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, because like he just... It's. It seems like that even at that max power, it just seems like it's an. It's not an. It's not a when. It's an. It's not an if. It's a when. It's just when he's gonna. He's gonna lighten up. It's like how long could I last for this? Or even if I can beat him. He, yeah, he says when I fail, you win, and probably that's what you're thinking, Ant. Checkmate me if you can. I'll show you my zero hand, which just sounds like the end of some rap verse. And then, in, like in the rap verse, you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> but yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, but yeah, it's it's just kind of interest. It's just kind of interesting, but uh, I do like that. That uh, honestly, it makes me wonder if the last part was if he was hundred percent planning on that, or that was a contingency. And we'll probably talk about that as we get to that part. But yeah, I think we will. Um, but yeah, the the king begins to feel pain, but then he finally figures out Netero's moves and just cuts through and is able to cut off Netero's leg. And he did the most badass thing possible. <laughs> it's like I was like, "Oh, you 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 don't you don't have much fighting. You get a bleed to death." It's like it's like say what? And just like fucking slapped his leg, closes up, clots off the leg. It's like it's like, "No, nah, we good, fam. Let's keep going." Yeah, he just uses muscle contraction to stop the blood. God <laughs> just damn! Sheer willpower. <laughs> That's some Baki the Grappler stuff. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that needs to be a Photoshop. But uh, but yeah, and and just keeps fighting them, and 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 it just seems like it's a, like like I think we we're saying that it's it's not an it's not a if it's a when, and you just see over time he's breaking down and getting more body parts off of him. I guess technically he just got the arm right. Well, just the yeah, just the leg and the arm. Um, but yeah, Meruem declares that he's next going to take the left arm. And uh, the narrator comes in and says, there were more than a thousand punches thrown in a minute. Um, and so basically at this point, Meruem kind of fully unlocks like what he notices is up with um, Netero's sort of like game plan. And like he technically doesn't determine a strategic flaw. He just he thinks that Netero's strategy is actually great but just that there's a tiny bias that causes him to deviate from perfect play only in the slightest hints. And he eventually figures it out and is able to like jump through like the hole in like the attacks. Yeah. And Cause then it's, cut off it's his other arm. Cause then it's it described that the, the variance was so low it wouldn't even be, be called a, a habit in the slightest. Yeah. It depends on which translation you used, but I think one of them was like, uh, displayed a slight inclination, not even a bias that the King tear. And then, you know, the King goes in. Yeah, so like he he minus, he's like, it's it's like do it's honestly the way that to describe it kind of reminds me of the like the perfect the like the um was it the 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 uh the the uh crap crap the 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 the, the parry Daigo parry kind of seems like that where it's like perfectly perfectly but you find like that that sort of frame variance that's so little that you can break out of it. 
almost. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of like what a good metaphor for it is because like I don't think any of these illustrate just how precise this is. Like cuz like even saying something surgical is doing this like a disservice. I guess it's like, it's like imagine like a machine that just like pounds like it's like just straight up just uh-huh. punches the ground. I wasn't making a sex joke. It just keeps <laughs> but it's it's pretty much they somehow find a way to put like just once put like after getting hit multiple times just to perfectly swipe the hand through that where it's perfectly in rhythm and in tune but there's a t- there's there's it's going to go up and down at one point and that you can't really stop that from happening oh yeah that that's one way i another way i thought of is like i you know all those probability things of like what are the chances of two bullets hitting each other in midair like it's insanely low i think that's probably like maybe another good way of doing it. it's like if you could purposefully shoot another bullet out of the air it's like that kind of skill yeah so so it's essentially that and it's to that level of precise so he's perfect in almost pretty much every way but he still has the 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 error that he's technically still human no matter how great he is or how perfect he could get at every time and yeah marrow something more like a machine or i mean like an insect or a machine or somewhere else but yeah you get the idea but uh at this point meruem kind of you know says like we gotta stop like what can you do and this is where patrick if you want to if you want to say the line man uh he got a kiss from a rose or no no you believe i cannot pray with a single arm pray oh yeah he got really ableist it's it's like it's like oh yeah and then it's it's like yeah we could pray from the yeah I do like that line a lot, and I think that's one of my favorite lines of it. It's, it's like, oh, you didn't let me hit the last part of it, man. What? You didn't let me hit the last part of it. You believe I cannot pray with a single arm. Prayer comes from the heart. If a heart achieves the correct form, it becomes emotion. Yeah. So I thought that was really beautiful, and it really illustrated how fucking, I guess, wouldn't say crazy. Like, I don't know a good way to. What's a good way of saying crazy? Like the best. I, I mean, it really depends what you mean by that because crazy has so many meanings. I'm trying to understand which of the ones you're looking at. I, I guess my thing is is that it shows how dedicated he was to it. Where it's like, it's it's like, yeah, it. I literally am so good. I don't really need my hands at all. I could do this in my mind if I want to, but it just it just helps me do. It. Like I don't need to pray. Like doing the hand thing. Like the hand thing seemed like you're just a bluff or something he liked to do, but it's not surprising because he he is a pretty eccentric old man. So it wouldn't surprise me if he just did it just because it's cool as fuck. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like ominous. Oh, sorry. Because it's it's like he can keep doing it because he doesn't need to not do it because it's like it doesn't affect the technique and it's cool as shit. So it's like why not do it? Oh yeah, his his doing that with his hands is like a mantra. Like it is something that is said to help you focus, but it is not the purpose of what you are doing. It is to elicit the emotion and like the alignment of the heart. And so it's like, what is the hand equivalent of a mantra? Is it, is it a mudra? Am I making that up? I'm going to look that up. I think it's a muda, 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 I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. A mudra is a gesture or seal used in yoga. So yeah, it's, it's literally just a mudra. Yeah. So he basically goes from mudra to mantra. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that works. With this uh, sort of very, uh, with this incredibly, interesting thing that he said suddenly the hyakushiki kanin shows up again but it shows up behind meruem and wraps him with indiscriminate kindness and the aura shows as bright as a distant star as it lets out a fearsome roar and then kill 
Yeah, I think Killa just walked right by it and it's like, fuck that. I ain't no, doing no, all that no, no, shit. No. So it said, that was actually in reference to something that happened chapters earlier. It was saying it's the same light that caused Killa to do this chapters earlier, basically. Oh, okay. I, I see. I, I can't remember what uh, what scene that was, though, where he did that. Yeah, so they didn't show Netero at that time. They just said that Killa was walking through the woods and saw, like, basically the spiritual equivalent of a nuclear bomb and was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> Oh, I w- oh, that makes sense. I was wondering why he had his regular clothes on too. I was like, did did I miss something? Because he had his like you know his you know his his regular walking around clothes is like the I can't I don't know his typical clothes that that weren't in this arc. I can't remember what the name of them are. But you guys know yeah. what I mean, right? Where did he see that sure. at? Like, where where was that? Just like a general when he was an assassin, he saw it. Sort of thing. I was just earlier in the arc, but I was gonna say okay. so. I really like this depiction of the zero hand um, because it's like haunting. Every attack Netero has done to this point has been straightforward and just going direct, no hidden agenda. Like it's just a pure statement of power. And like any deception is the same way that you have deception in a game of chess. There's no hidden pieces in chess. The part that's hidden is your mind. That sounds like an MCP pants quote or something, but um, (laughs) it's in your mind, man. It's in mind. (laughs) It's in your mind. Um, But in this case, uh, he actually is deceptive, even though it is the manifestation of the kindness of like the most kind bodhisattva, and it shows up behind him, you know, hidden, and embraces them in just indiscriminate kindness, and like overlaps him in their hands as if forming a heart and doing a prayer right before showering it in an incredibly destructive and hateful light. And it's just wow. like one of my favorite images from this entire series. He took kill him with kindness to the heart. I mean, yes. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, and yeah, this is probably the at this point, probably the strongest attack of a nin user at this point, right? I think this is by far the strongest nen attack anyone has done in the series, manga included. Yeah, and pretty much Pretty much is the equivalent of a nuclear bomb almost going off, just blows. Uh, it's literally not though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but um, before we before we, go, I'm I'm sorry, Patrick. I didn't mean to under undercut you so hard, but I just meant more like we have the literal comparison in a little bit. <laughs> I meant like like the the equivalent of a Nen bomb, like the uh, yeah. of a okay an H bomb compared to whatever the actually a crying baby. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, but but um, yeah, Sarah and Hannah, I'd be very curious to know your your thoughts on on this depiction. And um, Sarah, when it when it gets to you, like kind of mm-hmm. how you came into this because you didn't have the context around it. I know you've been spoiled for some stuff that happens with Gon later, but I mm-hmm. wanted to know if you knew about this. But Hannah and Sarah, floor is yours. Well, what's that Teresa use? Like a, it's like a meme. It's like a too bad kid. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, nothing personal, nothing kid. Yeah. Nothing personal, I, kid. I didn't realize the bodhisattva Guanyin. Nothing personal, kid. But it felt very personal <laughs> on Nutterosa, not so personal on Mirum, because I feel like Mirum, for the most part, he was like, "Oh wow!" Like it's kind of his realization of like humans being like, "Oh, there's some that are a little bit more better than you know sheep," and his whole thing about like, "Hey, calm down!" Like I'm trying to like make a better world and humans will have some sort of place in it you just gotta prove that you know you have the worth to be in there and he thinks he's like doing a solid favor for humanity and all that jazz 
Um, and Natarell's just getting more, I think, because you think you point out, it's like, oh, like, where, where are you so invested in this? Like, you're not a king like I am. Like, why are you so worked up about it? Um, and I think with his Netero um, losing his limbs and then the Chimerums just uh, telling him, like, you can't keep fighting. You're going to bleed to death. Like, why are you even continuing with this? Like, it's pointless. Um, and I think the fact that he's being thrown off by uh, Nero's determination to keep on going, um, that he both admires, but also I think he underestimates it as well because he wasn't expecting that zero hand attack. Not only because right. it was behind, because he, this entire time, he's been both admiring, but simultaneously underestimating Netero. Right. And I think it's also, um, it's kind of like all the attacks so far from Netero and has been really upfront. And um, I think in general, for the most of these fights, um, have been kind of like, not like JoJo level, like I'm going to tell you what I'm doing kind of thing, but um, it's been direct, you know, in a way almost honorable. And so this is the first time it's almost like a sneak attack, um, which I don't think Marum would have suspected from, I guess, such a like high level, you know, fighter such as Netero but I think also because of the tactic the strategy that's why Marum's like oh yay kudos for you bro I actually like that so um <laughs> but yeah I think it is kind of at the same time it's like desperation I in a way on Netero's end which contrasts Marum's like lackadaisy like not taking it as seriously kind of demeanor so it's a kind of like at least now I guess Marum's in a way is taking Netero seriously with this like surprise so um but yeah yeah so um you know with that there's like a tremendous explosion and the entire building is scarred and there's a bunch of there's a burning crater with a drained Netero barely holding on to life. It kind of reminds me of the way um, the Kamehameha wave was originally uh, shown in mm -hmm. Dragon Ball. Like the idea of it takes all your latent energy and if you're not careful, you're going to die. Um, yeah, but it's, it's like, like, hey, it's like we... that's my ultimate attack. It's like, I, I, he, he's got to be dead. He's got to be dead. Yeah, what if we made that for real this time? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, Netero's eyes are completely blackened, like he lacks uh, the whites of his eyes. And, um, you know, he can no longer hold his wounds uh, together. And so they're just bleeding out now. And so this man is going to die. Like, yeah, he's, this he's was. Up dead. This is something that was supposed to end his life if he didn't have to engage in something else. <laughs> Meanwhile, the king, uh, like a cockroach or an ant, <laughs> um, you know, walks out of the burning hellscape and praises Netero as the pinnacle of individual strength uh, as he has he's um, basically covered in small wounds and says it was a magnificent attack. Uh, so, like, you know he, what, just he, for that, I'm not going to kill all humans. I'm going to have a small reservation of them. 
so that way they can live on and do stuff. Yeah, but uh, before that, he kind of talks about how like there's no way uh, Netero could have possibly won because he mentions like you're just an individual. I'm the resulting boon of the total support of the evolution of my species, um, and how like the entirety of the Chimera Ant's long evolution has culminated in him. And uh, he talks a little bit about how the bond, like the strong egos of human beings, have disrupted their bonds and how they need to keep humans separate, but. You know, by virtue of like the amazingness of Netero and Komugi, he's like, I'll keep you guys on a reservation. It'll be pretty sick. Um, <laughs> free free, uh, free, free ice cream on Wednesdays. Sounds See, like a good is, deal I, to me. Like, we'll, we'll talk about this. This is very interesting because like it's obviously a pipe dream given everything that happens after this. But and, yeah. it's interesting because there's multiple ways this could fail um patrick brought up the idea of like whether or not netero whether or not Marowin would keep his promise there's also the possibility of like whether or not other ants would keep their promise because he could mean it but then someone could defy him and eat all the human beings any number of terrible things could happen but i think it is a sincere offer in the moment yeah and i mean i mean it, yeah, and it's debatable if he would i mean he seems pretty honorable to the point where he'd rip off his arm so i I'm fairly sure he would. I'm like 99 percent sure he would have kept that promise. Excuse me, but still, like, and I, and it's like out of nowhere, he's like, it's like, do you actually think is like you're really underestimating humans right now? Like, he just, he just sees like this evil aura on him. It's like so he starts talking mad shit about him, being like, you really underestimate humans that badly. Oh, and then, he says something even scarier before that. He says, "I'm not alone." It's like, oh shit. And like and like the thing is like I like to emphasize, yeah, he's not just saying that. Nero's like he actually means it and 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 Nether and Murum sees the aura coming off of him. I say he revealed his name first before all that stuff, right? I have the exact quote written down. Just yep. give me a second to read it all. Uh so Nero laughs and says, uh, I'm not alone. Don't underestimate the human race, Meruem. That is your name. And Netero had no time to think about it, and he watched this old man who was supposed to be, you know, surrendering. Just uh, he's, talk he's a little like, bit he's about like, humanity, boy. Yeah, he talks a little <laughs> bit about uh, you know, don't underestimate humanity's infinite potential for evolution. Um, that's the that's the subtitles I had with Crunchyroll. Did you guys get alternate subtitles with what you were watching? It pretty much was the same thing on the dub. Okay, I asked that because the manga has a different. Uh, take on it and we'll get into the reasons why these are different um are you guys familiar with this being a like a separate line because it's kind of a controversy in the anime fandom no i'm actually not what's the what's the controversy about well we'll get into it in the manga but i mean i'll tell you what the line is now and we'll talk about why it Mm -hmm. happened differently in the manga but in the manga he says uh like you know you can't forget the of humanity's infinite capability for evil or infinite capability for malice um i think maybe cruelty cruelty that's it infinite potential Mm -hmm. for cruelty um and there's a reason that there's two distinct translations because the way it's written in japanese i won't say is ambiguous because that's not correct it is very clear but there are just two sentences written and each of these versions, because English doesn't do that, where you can have just like an alternate word posed right above the other word, mm-hmm. is not a thing in English. Mm-hmm. They just had to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the versions chose the worst possible one. 
Which is the cruelty one? No, choosing uh, evolution is the wrong one. Cruelty is really what the purpose was here. Um, and it makes sense giving the given the whole the whole thing after this episode and explaining humans human nature to begin with. So it makes sense why it it, it has to be cruelty. Yeah. So Meruem then, I mean, so Netero then stabs himself in the heart, and uh, he has a flashback to on his heart stopping a guy's like, Hey, a bomb's rigged up. So it's going to explode. Um, to which, you know, as he is dying, Netero said like thinks to himself, is there a hell? I'll, if there is a hell, I'll see you there. He's, he's, he's like, Whoa, why'd you stab yourself for? Oh, shh. <laughs> and then also then you see a bright light. And then, uh, well, no in, in the bright light before the explosion, net, uh, Meruem thinks to himself, you had me in checkmate from the very start. Yeah, and it's 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 like he's thinking he's like hey, I already won this game, and you know he just explodes. Uh, needs to say uh, that is indeed him dead. I can't the, imagine him not being dead from that. The narrator comes in and starts telling you a little bit about the history of terrorism in the Hunter Hunter world, where they mention the creation of a class of nuclear bombs called the Poor Man's Rose, which was possible to quickly mass produce. And uh, while there were treaties put in place to stop the production of new ones, most of the countries that had them did not agree to getting rid of the ones they had, you know, AKA similar to the U S um, <laughs> and, and Russia uh, and a couple other countries. Um, but the miniature Rose was very popular amongst small. Yeah. The miniature Rose was popular amongst small dictatorships and terrorist cells. And uh, <laughs> so the episode ends. Um, yeah. I, I think I think like it's the equivalency of a dirty bomb, essentially. I think it's more than that. It's more like what if it's it's somewhere between a dirty bomb and a full nuclear bomb. It's just like, hey, what if you had something that was almost the level of like a full nuclear bomb, but was like incredibly easy to make? That may, that that's about that seems about right. But yeah, and um, just for some context, this isn't really the meaning of it. But do you guys remember the name of the bomber's power? in Great Island. Oh yeah, the rose, the uh, It was little flower. A little flower, which yeah. Is another way you can look at this. So, he was just basically calling his power nuclear bomb 420XXX. <laughs> My thing is I wonder I wonder if uh I wonder because I know in in the in our universe the nuclear bombs make mushroom clouds. I wonder if in this one it's ro- all the explosions make rose look at things if it's big enough. And that's just the reason why it's inspired because I don't think it'd be really cool if he'd be called his power little mushroom. <laughs> I'm gonna okay, kick. yeah, that'd be pretty weird if he called his power little mushroom. It's like, I'm going to whip yeah. out my little mushroom. No, no, no. Don't. I'm I was like, no, power, he's like, no, no, I'm going to murder you. They're like, oh, okay, that's that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just think maybe it's an inherent explosion thing where for some reason the explosions are the shape of a rose versus a mushroom cloud. And I think hey, maybe, but yeah. Someday we'll talk about how the manga may or may not be in favor of flat earth theory and how that could affect gravity. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, God. let's go to the manga. <laughs> is is oh, there man. is there gonna be a panel with where Gon uh Gon's like, I'm gonna prove that I'm gonna prove the earth is uh earth is round. If I put this thing this light here and it, it shines across, that means it's 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 round. It's sort of like that. You'll get there and just be like, Yeah, I can't I cannot tell if Togashi's a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> oh god does that does that mean what's uh his wife's a flat earther too no i don't actually think he's a flat earther but no. i think he was reading flat earther stuff and he's like what if i just include this as a detail to explain a certain fact of the cosmology of this world that otherwise doesn't make any sense 
Honestly, that one, that that, that I, I can see Tagashi doing that. He takes a lot of the a, a lot of his experiences and stuff from a lot of different things, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But anyways, man, tell us a little bit of the manga. No, we have to rate that death first. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, who's dead? Are uh, there two deaths or one or zero? Did they both survive? Did no one survive? Did one is person the, is survive? The, is the Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's, Sarah, uh, have you manga? read the next chapter? Have you watched the next episode? <laughs> I, I, I did. But <laughs> okay, I, then only, we, then we I haven't watched anything past. I think I watched the immediate episode after this. Um, so I was like, oh, my God. I... I feel like I want to talk about my impressions of the episode after we do the manga differences. Um, Oh, for sure. I just wanted to make sure that we could talk about who died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I was like, I I, I was shook. But I can go further I mean, we can obviously tell that, yeah, because the fact that you said when the heart stops, I assume that means he's dead. And, I mean, he's powerful, (laughs) but I don't think he's powerful enough to stop a nuclear explosion especially after his big attack which is like maybe a a hundredth of that almost killed him um patrick i think really you know just because someone's heart stops does not mean they are dead yeah all i went was ah (laughs) (laughs) that's a really stupid kung pao reference for anyone keeping score but that must mean oh then surely netero yeah oh 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 um, but yes, we can confirm Netero is dead. I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. I don't even think I need to explain my reasoning. I mean, yeah. I mean, he not only blew himself up once, he blew himself up twice. Not to mention, we'll get into the themes and stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe we should save this for after themes because I really think it's very theme dependent. But I think there's almost no argument to be made possibly that any other death in Hunter x Hunter is as meaningful as this. Maybe there's one or two others that are on the same level. Yeah, it's just massive. It's like, holy shit. It's like, wow. But yeah, this is definitely 10 out of 10 for me. Like, the death is probably the best way to ever go out in any anime in a manga period. What about you? What do you you guys think? I thought it was... uh, I think I would give it a 10 out of 10. It felt like... I I personally wasn't expecting it. I thought... um, just because I know there's more chapter, there's more episodes after it. I didn't expect him to go to die, especially go out that way. Um, so I was like, "Holy shit!" Like now, that's it. So I was surprised, but I thought it felt very um, true to his character, and I think the basically the arc character arc that he's been kind of going through just through this fight alone. Um, and just like the desperation that came from it, the surprise from like the final, um, like he knew that his ultimate attack zero hand didn't work, so he's just gonna literally pull out like the big stop and basically sacrifice himself to hopefully, um, get rid of the Camarian King. And it's like the ultimate sacrifice, and in a literal, like explosion um and i don't know how it could really get go up from here so (laughs) i'm interesting how if the stakes will get even bigger or if it's just more like a fallout um of the Mm, consequences that come from this yeah you know (laughs) hey smooth skin 
Um, for me, yeah, I was actually expecting Notaro to make it through it. I don't know, maybe because I, I, with some of the other characters, you know, they ended up living. So I was like, oh, maybe Tagashi will continue that streak, you know, with like Palm ended up staying alive in a way. So this was very unexpected. And I guess like I was really surprised in a way with like how, but also not surprised because it's like many, like this whole entire arc is like a deconstruction on a lot of shonen tropes. So, and when, you know, at the end of the battle, I was like, you know, I guess it does make sense he would die or like in, so the sacrifice with the bomb was definitely a surprise too. I thought that was really cool. Like, dang, he's not going to go out without a fight, you know? Um, So yeah, I'm like, and I wasn't expecting, like, a secret bomb from his heart, basically. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, it was a crazy episode. I honestly thought it was going to last another episode. Like, another, like the battle would stretch on further. So This ain't no DBZ stuff right here. I know. I should have realized that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was going to say, so, uh, you know, I said no notes, but I, I will actually elaborate some. Um I do think something that I found amazing about this was like not only the philosophical meaning about sort of like being the savior of humankind, but having to do like wanting, I won't say having to, I will say that in order to fulfill his role as like, quote unquote, the savior of humankind, he had to engage in like, not even morally gray, like frankly, like possibly incredibly evil actions and sort of it's an indictment of certain actions of the human race to survive. And that's just very interesting and not just the human race, but also factions of humanity. Um, but another thing that I think is very interesting is the revelation that not this isn't a desperate move. This is what he came here to do. Like, I don't think he ever really thought he could win this. Mm. I think it was just he wanted to see whether he was pushed to this level. And then he was going to have to do it eventually anyways. And it was just like the last go out for someone who had organized his life around being the strongest and trying to build up the strongest and like the realization in his old age in his incredibly old age that he isn't just an individual he's intimately connected to the fate of all other human beings and he has to act that way and that even though the hunter association is going to get all the flack for everything that happened here and he is going to die it is what he feels he has to do as a member of like the human race of the hive, if you will. 10 out of 10. 10, 10 would really gun. Yeah. And so you, you know what that means when, when we all score 10 out of 10, that means <laughs> I was going <laughs> to copy something from, um, no, I was going to call out, I was going to copy something from balling out super, which is a dragon ball uh podcast where every time anyone rates it seven out of seven dragon balls for that episode uh they have someone do like a voice of shenron and then they just get a wish granted but it's usually just a comedy bit but uh i don't think any of us have a cool shenron voice changer with us um we're just gonna nuke a small city mm. in minecraft yeah, gonna, in minecraft in minecraft i'm gonna pray about it <laughs> But anyways, yeah. I'll um, nuke a small wanna... co- a country in Minecraft. Just want to elaborate that. Or I don't uh, think you can say that has been anymore. established in court. That is not a valid defense anymore. Okay, Roblox. Then I think I think we're we we haven't we haven't hit Roblox yet. So yeah, but you're gonna hit Roblox in Roblox. 
yeah, I'm gonna get banned from. They're gonna take my. They're gonna take my my uh, Robux. Take all my Robux. Anyways, uh, tell us a little bit about those manga differences before we just give our final thoughts on this explosive episode. All right. Well, first of all, of course, is that the wind know. or? I don't know what's with the. Uh, I don't like the Wolfen's doing the the the, oh. the face. I don't know what's what was up with that. It's like throwing bedroom eyes. Very disturbing. I think I think you're projecting a lot on wealth in here. Mm, uh, there's, I swear, I I swear there there is a sexual tension with him. I I cannot be the only one that's point that's fine that's discovering this. There's there's some tension there. I mean, I you guys are acting like I'm crazy or something. Don't look at me that way, Joe. Don't judge me. <laughs> He's judging me. All right. Uh, <laughs> I like this panel. The panel where where, where Nidoro closes up his leg, and the the thing's like, "Who's dying now?" And it's like me me after waking up with a massive leg cramp for the rest of the day. <laughs> God, I hate that. I was, I haven't got one in a while, but now I probably jinxed it and I'm gonna wake up with Wait, a leg cramp. You wake up with cramps, huh? You wake up with cramps? No, when, I was years ago, but I would sometimes I would I would like I'd move my leg in a certain way, and I would just cramp up in in the bed, and I would just like. I'd have a leg ache for the rest of the day. Interesting. Uh, I wonder if... Like you're about to fall asleep and you get like a shark. What is it? What do they call Charlie it? Like horse. a Charlie that's horse? It. Yeah. It's a Charlie yeah. horse. That's what it is. So that's probably what it I Sounds mean. like you guys need to hydrate and have and have uh, electrolytes. Yeah. yeah. I've been working out. I've been working out. I've had, actually haven't had it since... I literally can't remember the last time I had it. Probably when I was in high school, probably. So... We good. That was when I lived on three Coca Colas a day, so <laughs> or more. Yeah, I'm getting kidney stones. Um, <clears throat> uh, I like I like this. Uh, it's like, what have you done, old man? The game was over before it even started. I just oh. love the, de- the delivery versus the versus the uh, <laughs> versus the, the the checkmate. It's it's like it's the game was over before before it even began. It's like, I, I like the checkmate line, but I'm sad that this version was so close to just making a rhyme and they purposefully didn't go with it. Where it could have been, old man, what have you done? The game was over before it even begun. Before it Damn. had even begun. And and, and, and and like I just want to edit in like just him in the text, but it's like nice rhyme just explodes. <laughs> nice rhyme. I think I'll, I'll take, take it. it. <laughs> Blows up. <laughs> Dropping fat beats. Speaking um, of dropping fat, uh, so uh, the rose again looks like very Cronenberg esque, or was it H.R. Giger esque? It looks like a, I don't know why. I think it looks Georgia O'Keeffe esque. Is really what you're saying? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll give it a Georgia O'Keeffe out of ten. Yeah, a lot of little vulva images. I don't know what I. So, what do you think would win a fight? Vulva roses or dick chairs? Okay, I think dick chairs would win a fight simply because the first one is a common is a common metaphor. The second one is something that Togashi did one time that we were all blown away by. <laughs> oh, dick chairs! Oh, dick chairs! Richard chairs, everyone. Richard hand, chairs. Give him, give him a hand. Um, so I think the manga version of the "What is Prayer" line is better. It's "What is prayer?" It's an action of the heart. 
formed properly from within, it becomes a wish, and the wish bears fruit. I thought you were gonna say, "What is prayer, baby? Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more." Yeah, that's the lyrics of those songs. But yeah, no, I like that one. That one just sounds like medieval, like mystic Muslim poetry that I just put on my wall. Nice. Yeah, I put that on my wall too. I think it looks good. Oh, also, there's another line here that's incredibly raw in the manga that they did not <clears throat> preserve in the anime, which is Merwim saying, I was born as the king of the ants, the crowning glory of all life. All of your kind evolved solely to produce me. I'm the culmination of generations of their unhesitating service. So he's not only saying that the ant lineage like worked to provide for him, but basically that humans were only born to be harvested by ants to produce him. It'd be funny if he, re- he responded. It's, it's like, you know what? You grew up. You grew up as a bitch, and just like blew up. That's uh, that's my favorite. Uh... Oh no, I'm having a hard time remembering it. That's my favorite Eric Andre quote. It just feels like something that was said on that show. And then he blows up. Exactly. Speaking of which, R.I.P. Lance Reddick. Oh, oh man. <sighs> Did you ever see his Eric Andre show interview? Because it's amazing. I've seen it. I think my favorite part's the LeVar Burton sketch. Uh, yeah, he wishes he was LeVar Burton. He wishes he was LeVar Burton. Don't rainbow read him. Wow. That was uh, that was an interesting... Le- the, yeah. But yeah, R.P. Lance Reddick. Loved him in Fringe. I think that's really... Oh, and 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 um, the, that other one, uh, John Wick. Yeah. But anyways, themes. I, I think we've already kind of all said a little bit of our piece, but what are you guys' thoughts that you haven't had a chance to say about this? Because I honestly think we could all talk about this episode for a long time, really wax philosophical, but we only have a certain amount of time. Thank you, mm-hmm. Castos. Uh, Zencaster. Thank you, Zencaster. Sorry, thank you, Zencaster. So I'm curious what you guys have, if you have condensed diamond-like thoughts that you've created under pressure underground you just crush them with your hands you superman of, of and they're York. just unbreakable like diamonds um what do you think so it feels like we said a lot happened with this episode thematically but i think the big thing that i took away from it um was resolve and how far can that push you to do what you believe is necessary and then for Netero, I think his life that we've seen so far has been very accomplished, but to the point where he felt like he's at a point where he felt like, is there anything left for me to do? And now this is like the time that he's felt truly challenged and in a way that he was forced to finally be able to go all out and basically get out of like you know basically uh go out with in a biggest explosion possible so he was able to get like the ultimate fight um be able to pull out his ultimate attacks and even when that didn't work he pulled the final move and was able to like do some actual damage to the king and uh, i think the idea of like, using the poor man's rose like i'm very interested to see why they chose that particular um Itagashi chose like a rose specifically um, for this weapon. Because when you think of roses, generally you don't really think of them as anything deadly. I mean, I guess the thorns is the one thing, but like something that's so um, explosive and 
seems so final. I feel like there's other flowers that kind of have more of a ominous meaning behind them. So I'm curious why he chose Rose specifically. I think so if I just to jump in on that, I mean, we could do probably an episode about like flower meanings and stuff. And I'd be actually curious to know if that plays into this. But something that I didn't bring up earlier was that when it showed Netero sort of forming the Hyakushiki cannon for the first time in this fight, he did a stance and then formed a lotus around himself. Mm. And so the transformation from lotus to rose is very interesting because one, there's the connotation of peace to passion. There's the connotation of east to west. Mm -hmm. And you can read a lot into that with the inclusion of a nuclear bomb in this series (laughs) from like a creator from the only country to have been bombed, nuclear bombed during wartime. Um, So I definitely think there's a lot going on first with uh, nukes themselves as a metaphor and as a token of the past. But then also, um, yeah, I think there's a lot we could read in on the rose that I'd be curious to know more about in the future. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have any other big thoughts about it. I think I already covered the fact that I was surprised that this is the episode where Netero dies. Cause I was like, man, I thought he would last until like the end of the arc. Um, so in, I think I seen somewhere with about like, uh, I was a little bit spoiled in the fact that there was like this big, like massive attack. Um, but I thought it would be like at the finale of the, of the season. I didn't expect it to be like, so how many episodes are left? Like a good 10. I mean, we had a year, we had a year left until we finished this arc, right? No, no, no. But she, she means of this arc. I think, I think you're right. It might be 10 or slightly more even. Oh, really? We really have 10 episodes left of this arc. Yeah, man. Kamara, like, remember the election arc and then, like, the stuff that happens after the election do take up a decent amount of time. There's a lot that goes on there. <laughs> yeah, because I was in that. I guess maybe uh, that's why I thought we were going to be able to finish this by the end of the year, but I was like, oh, wait, we, are, we have all that stuff. That's right. <laughs> hey, man, politics is serious business, almost as serious as war. <laughs> Fair. So, yeah. And um, so I thought this was a really exciting. Um, episode it feels like the the way that these two are paired together i know it was set up because of netero and versus Merum and that the to show to episode show like the continuation and the conclusion of their fight but i also think that having um basically the I wouldn't say it's the beginning of the confrontation between Pizzo and Gon, but it feels like um, it's about to reach from the tension that started from the fact when they first, when Gon first, like, basically reunited with Pizzo up to the point where I think that they will fight, kind of slowly building up on that tension, where I think in the next few episodes we'll finally be able to see, like, where that leads so it's interesting to see the conclusion of what I thought would be like the big boss battle um, is happening sooner than what I thought the what it would be considered like a smaller stakes fight, but it would feel um, in terms of the grand scheme. But I think in terms of like the emotional, the emotional arc for the characters, specifically with Gone, I feel like that will be um, in some ways a little bit 
more impactful than this one even so i'm interested the the order of things is interesting to me like okay this happened mm -hmm. first and then we're gonna have pito and gone spite which i thought was gonna happen earlier but it's actually gonna happen later so it's twisting my expectations in that way so i'm like i don't know how it could go from here because it seems like this is like what would be the final battle but it's not obviously i think you can see it as a tremendous dividing point of the arc between mm -hmm. one about like a seemingly just and good natured fight for the survival of the human race to now everyone living in the physical and emotional fallout of a nuclear explosion Ooh. and you if you view it that way we're on the shadow side we're like in the blasted hellscape oh, and uh, the the true horrific fights will happen from here out Ooh, that's exciting <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we still got a lot of good fights left, so I'm excited to see what we got in store. Um, Hannah, uh, I guess like, is there anything that you've been thinking about it that like you don't think we've adequately addressed? No, I think we, you guys, summarized everything I was thinking. Um, but I guess like one thing that kind of stands out with me. And I think I kind of reiterated before with these episodes is I think like kind of like unexpected turns from what you usually see in a lot of stories, like, especially like we made comparisons, like the most obviously DBZ, just like with how um, the battle with Netherrealm Netherrealm kind of turned and it wasn't like having a big character sacrifice themselves like that is especially in it in the way it did it was unexpected and i don't know i feel like with coming and like watching it the first time there's like so many twists and turns that i just did not anticipate and i think um i guess that's what makes it really enjoyable and kind of like a breath of fresh air in comparison to like a lot of anime out there so i don't know it's exciting definitely um, one thing I want to reiterate that I, I don't think I brought up earlier, so not really reiterate, but I may have brought it up episodes ago. Remember, Netero has defeated the strongest human being, but Komugi remains undefeated. Um, and that's not because he wasn't trying. It's, it's because in their individual competitions slash individual focuses, Komugi is greater than Netero. And I want that. I want everyone to just remember that. Hey, you know what? That crusty old bag of bones got nothing on that sweet Kamugi. <laughs> All right. That's an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out. I was going to say suck it, Netero, I guess. And just like give him the finger, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, this is kind of the opposite of the way people normally think about, you know, machines versus humans of like, oh, a machine can, you know, outthink a human, but, like, a human can do something else better or whatever. But in yeah, this case, we can actually draw five fingers. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Or the appropriate <laughs> amount of teeth or or not be completely screwed up by looking at something that's had glaze applied to it. Um, but uh, in this case, a human is still outthinking Meruem, which means that, like, Komugi is, like, <laughs> maybe the most talented Nen user uh, ever but in a very incredibly narrow field so um i don't think that's necessarily i i do think there's thematic importance here i don't think it's like important in terms of plot 
but I do think it's interesting in terms of theme of just the idea of like there could be someone greater just in something that you are not particularly attuned with and even Meruem who is you know as an individual greater than any human being at the average of things still has faults and still has people better than him mm-hmm. but yeah uh patrick if you have anything uh please jump in otherwise we can uh you know kind of try to wind down this episode um because we're reaching the limit again thank you <laughs> zencaster thank you zencaster. if you'd like to sponsor us by just i don't know give taking away the limit That'd you know great. push us to the limit the cheat is to the limit it will be good exactly but uh no that's it for me uh good episode I uh, love it. Um, suck it, uh, s- suck it, uh, Netero. <laughs> so speaking of suck it, Netero, I've ominously placed the names of our patrons under rate those deaths. So if we could just really quickly rate the deaths of all of our patrons. Uh, five, ten, five, no, no, five, five, ten, 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 ten. So Tim, I'm gonna give him a seven out of ten. Uh, you know, pretty plot relevant. Uh, I didn't really get much uh, graphic detail on this because uh, I, I have no idea what happened. Um, what do you think of Mia, man? Uh, ten out of seven. Oh, okay. Do you have Do you have a reason? Is it just to make up for the previous? No. Okay. Um, Sarah, you, you take Hanara. What do you think? Um, I would say seven. Pretty badass, but yeah. <laughs> Nice. Hannah, you take Arthur. Like eight? That works. Um, I'm going to say Valteri. I'm going to give you 22 out of seven. That's an approximation of pi. Take that however you want. Yikes. Uh, Patrick, what are you going to give Mickey? Um, well, I enjoy Mickey Rooney as an actor. I'm not really fond of Mickey Mouse, per se. Um, is there any other famous Mickeys that I need to know about? Anything that I'm uh, missing out? Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle, that's right, the, the basketball player. Uh, 10 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, that's what he did. <laughs> yeah, basketball. You're a jerk. Um, Alex, uh, Sarah, what are you, what are you thinking? Uh, Alex, let's give Alex a, what, a 5 out of 10. I don't think we covered that yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think more things will be revealed on the next episode of The Spirit Hunters. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, Lucas, um, you know, for those who really want to know more about Lucas's death, you have to get onto the, you know, onto the Discord because that's where he hangs out sometimes. Um, anyway, we filmed it too, so it's all on. We cut it all in HD, 4K. Yeah, so. there was also a there was also a turtle that died too. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, you mean dog or turtle? Oh yeah, it was a dog turtle, a turtle. Uh, anyways, thank you, turtle thank you, turtle. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up, check us out at patreon.com slash Spirit Hunter Pod and join our public Discord where we'll be discussing uh, uh, where we'll be discussing the stuff out of Hunter, UU, and much more. Additionally, I recently started talking with people about how I'm doing Duolingo Indonesian. So if you want to be my Duolingo friend and join my Duolingo gang aka my guild we're gonna do raids where we just all parachute into indonesia and try to make a trade deal it'll be good um <laughs> i play age of empires so uh i think that's close enough yeah i wish they had raids in duolingo i would super do that 
Um, anyways, speaking of the Discord, if you want to support us another way, you can help us by giving us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Each review gets a service to tens or hundreds more people. Finally, today's intro and outro themes were made by Michael Shingo Crawford and Maddie M, respectively. Check them both out on YouTube. Also, big shout out to our editor, Tommy. Thanks to him, the rest of the crew can focus more on doing research and talking to Gashi. See y'all on the other side. Bye. Bye.